Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. And joining me for Rockets Chatter is Cooper Klein, host of the NBA Draft podcast, Upside Swings, and contributor to Rockets Chop Shop on YouTube. Always good to have him in-house. And we're 15 days away. I can't believe it. 15 days away from the Rockets' first preseason game. Kevin Porter Jr., though, will not be around for it, as we all know. Are the Rockets, Cooper, actually better without KPJ? I think there's something to be said for, like, they're not going to be giving him all these isolation reps anymore. Um, I think it makes the offense make more sense in a vacuum. And, like, you have to play through other guys who I think create more efficient, better offense, like Fred, Shengun, Amen, even Jalen. You know, just guys who make more sense within the team structure. Uh, I, I think the big thing that we're going to be missing is his shooting. I think over the last two seasons, he was at like 48% or something like that on catch and shoot threes. They didn't utilize it very much, but he's one of the best off ball shooters uh, who was formerly in the league. I know a lot of people have talked about like, oh, well, Jabari and Dylan and, and Jalen, their numbers aren't good. Even Fred, like they're raw numbers aren't good but with shot selection improvement they should become better shooters make up for that kind of thing but i we have so many young guys who just have no gravity as shooters no respect from like league players as shooters and i i don't think one year <laughs> or like a few months with ben sullivan is enough to get them to the point <laughs> where oh all of a sudden they're we're, we're going to be like shooting 36 percent from deep and everyone's going to be fine and our spacing is going to be okay. I think we need a shooter like that who can just be a gravity well and a defender cannot leave them open. And if they leave them open, there's like like a really good chance that's going in. Like just stick that guy in the corner, stick him on the wing, have him run out like a versatile shooter who actually commands defensive attention. Jalen, I think, is a really good shooter. His percentages suck, but as an off-ball shooter, he's not getting treated with the respect he probably should be because his numbers stink. And he hasn't you know, upped his rep, upped his game to that degree. It's going to be tougher for guys like Amen, Jalen, Shengun, even Tari and Jabari if the summer league flashes are are real. All these guys who want to get to the rim ideally are getting to the rim over and over again. It's going to be tougher to do that if the defense can just sag off of Dylan Brooks in the corner, you know, because it's a tough kick out to make. And even if he gets it, it's only like a 34% chance of it going in. We're going to miss that shooting. Uh, I, I think it's the most replaceable skill in basketball, but that's like a conversation for another day. Like there's Armani Brooks is in the G League and John Jenkins and Tevin Brown. And there you could go down a list of G League players and there are 10 to 15 guys who are like 75th percentile NBA shooters who would be great for this team. But they're, you know, I, I doubt we sign them at least until, you know, Kevin is cut or traded or whatever, but. Uh, we're really going to miss his shooting. I would really prefer to have those type of guys, one of those type of guys, over Boban. I, I just don't get signing Boban for his veteran whatever when you've got all these other veterans. I, I just feel like, you know, use these spots on the roster a little bit more judiciously. And I, I was hoping without Steven Silas around, we wouldn't be doing this high, you know, hire the mascot thing for a 15th spot. No, we have to run that, that awful zone with Boban. We have to be able to run that. Our defense won't work. If we can't run that for three minutes a game, we, 
it's uh, no, it, it makes me angry. I don't know what what we're doing with the two way spots as of right now. I expect Meyer will get one or a guaranteed roster spot, even Matt Meyer out of Baylor and Illinois. I've talked about this with Frank uh, a lot. Like if you had told me before summer league that I would be praying that Matt Meyer was on a roster spot, uh, I would have called you crazy. All that guy does is shoot, but he's tall and he can shoot. He doesn't do anything else at a real plus level, but he tries. And like, we need a guy like that. Like we need a guy who has no ego is going to show up, shoot the ball when he needs to be okay with limited minutes and just be okay with that, you know? And, and there are a ton of guys like that out there. We shouldn't be, you know, wasting roster spots on Aaron Holiday and, and Boban. Yeah, and, and, and the, the key here is the guy might never play, but you might need somebody like that late in a ball game or something like that. I just I want to remind everybody that's watching and listening, I want to get your thoughts on the KPJ situation. Do you think the Rockets are better without him? Get in our YouTube comments and let us know. And if you missed it, Go back and watch our live Texans postgame show with my regular co-host from Sports Radio 610, Sean Bajani. Man, he, he gives some great insight always. And, and you know, he's out there in, in, in all of it with the Texans. But, uh, Cooper, real complicated question for you. How does the rotation change without Porter? In other words, how do you see Amen, Jay Sean, and Tari and their bench minutes before this? And what do they look like now, assuming the Rockets can't trade Porter's contract for a rotation player that might be fitting the same role that Porter has. I'll start from the the back, work my way, my work, my work my way backwards. But I, I think if the Rockets do find a trade for Porter, it's going to be for a shooting specialist wing who they would not play at the point guard, right? Like Porter's role this year was going to be sixth man bench creator who could also slot in with the starters as like a shooting specialist, right? My guess would be if they trade him or if they cut him, that Amin is going to get all of those creation reps. Amon and Shangun, I think, with the bench unit are going to split those point guard reps. And I mean, Amon Thompson's minutes, I think, are going to go way up. Like the beauty of Amon is he can play one through four, can like defend anyone, can play on or off ball, do all this different stuff. But ideally, you want him to be your point guard, right? Like you have Fred here, so you can bring him along slowly, but like we're going to see a lot more Amon and Fred together minutes allow Fred to play more off ball off of Amen, you know, collapsing defenses consistently. Um, That's exactly why I think the Rockets will be better without KPJ is I, I think it is beneficial to, you know, play Amen with him, with Fred Van Vliet. I think that's a real good combination. Yeah, I actually think there's going to be a lot of guard to guard screening with like Fred as the screener for Amen, where you basically allow Fred to take the bigger guard or even a wing defender because you have to stick a 6'7 or 6'8 athletic guy on Amon or he's going to completely kill him. If you run like a great guard-guard screen like that, you get Amen, he can post up the smaller guard that was on Fred or Fred can take the bigger wing in an isolation or drag it into another pick and roll, do all this different stuff. I'm really excited to see what that pairing can do specifically because of their unique skill sets and like how they can mesh together. You can even use Fred as the ball handler. Amen is like almost like a Russell Westbrook on the Rockets is like a roller, right? Like there's so much potential versatility with those two offensively, defensively. They're both great in a bunch of different roles. I'm really excited uh, about Amen getting a lot more minutes with this team, especially as a creator. I honestly think Amen is going to be like 
a better initiator than KPJ was year one. Like, I think he currently is a better point guard, creates more advantages than KPJ ever did. Better defender, too. Oh, world's better defender. He's our, like, I, I, would, I would say Amon's our best shot blocker, like, already. And he's also a great perimeter defender, great steal creator, can play off ball. It's, I think that's going to be a cause for an upgrade. And then also a lot of those, like KPJ at the shooter as like a wing minutes are going to go to either Tari or Tate, right? I think Tari's going to get more minutes as like an off ball wing, which is great. More Tari minutes <laughs> means more minutes that we win ball games because he, you know, is, has such a high level of impact on both ends of the ball. The more minutes he can get, the better. And even Tate, like people hate on Tate because he can't shoot and he's kind of limited, but he's a, one of the best point of attack defenders in the NBA, right? You know what you're getting. And I think with a real coach who's going to treat him more like a guard and not like, you know, a stopgap at every single position, he's going to look a lot better. When he's able to play more of that point of attack defense role, more on the wing and less of, hey, go defend Avica Zubats because Christian Wood and Alperin Shengun can't. I think he's going to look a lot better if he's fully healthy. And I, I'm really excited. I think better players are going to get a lot more minutes now that KPJ's gone. And I think that's the biggest argument for we're better off without him. But I would still really like to see us bring in a shooter who for certain lineups could could add that versatility. Yeah, I'm on the record as saying I, I saw Tari playing a lot of the four this year. and then that allowed Jabari to move to the five some in the bench units. And, and so it was going to be more that rotation. Jock Landell, I just never thought he was going to be somebody except for specific matchups or something like that. But we'll see how that works out. You know, J.J. Reddick said this week, going back to Kevin Porter, he expects Shane Goon will have a breakout year, partly because KPJ is gone. And that leads me to this. Let me ask you, which Rocket player, you know, speaking of Shane Goon, of their young starters, Jalen Jabari and Shane Goon takes the biggest leap forward this year. Which one, you know, do you think, because everybody was, you know, they were impressed with Shane Goon and what he did in FIFA, impressed with Jabari in the summer league. You know, I, there's the hype videos with Jalen, which I'm not big into about what he's doing in the, in the gym, but which, which guy do you think takes the big leap, you know, this year because of maybe Ime or just whatever. So I think there's a few different ways you could go about this. I think if, Ime can get Shengun to like, if he can figure out a scheme where Shengun can defend, Shengun's an all-star, right? Like if Shengun can be a passable center defender in some scheme, he's an all-star level player. And that's like, that's the most important leap, right? Maybe it's not the biggest because he already is almost playing like an all-star stats wise, but his stats will go up a little bit, but his overall impact will improve so much more if he can really defend in a, in a real defensive scheme. I think he has the chance to take the biggest leap. I think Jabari, if he can just get to being like a normal NBA player, like going from bottom three player in the league by basically every impact metric to he's an okay guy who's not going to lose you every single minute he plays, that's a huge leap, especially for a 19-year-old. If Jabari is 19 and playing at like an actual NBA level, that's, that's a huge leap. Jalen, I think it's really tough to like point to something he did this this summer and be like oh this is the reason why but there's a lot of talk about his playmaking leap with Shengun and Fred there his shooting leap his there's a lot of paths for Jalen to go and I think I buy Jalen's just talent eventually clicking 
right? Like he has that, I, I don't I sound like a real sports talk radio guy, but he's, he's got that talent that I think it's just eventually going to click. And if some of the, if the passing reads improve a little bit and the shooting gets to 37, 38% on a ton of attempts and the defense isn't horrendous, I think that's an all-star level player. Cause then he's probably at 25 points per game with passable defense and you know isn't one of the the worst guard passers in the nba that's another huge leap i I think my bet would be on jalen because there's so many paths for him to take shengun and jabari have to take such specific pathways to get there whereas jalen if he improves one or two things he's already there and he has so many options because his athleticism is so elite his first step is incredible. His length, his vertical athleticism, he's so fast that if he can get some of the simpler stuff down, he's going to be a star. Uh, so I, I think I'd go Jalen. I, I see Jabari just because the odds of him making a leap that's even to, like you said, averages, but I think he can be better than that. But Jalen, to me, it comes down to two things. Is he Does he care about defense? So that's going to be, you could be, a, a, a much better player if he went from just horrible defensively, which I think he has been, to average, which I think he can be. And then the other part about Jalen's leap will be efficiency. You know, we, we've talked about it ad nauseum. Steven Silas was just kind of give Jalen the ball and everybody get out of the way, and he's got to create. Whereas if you put him in certain spots and you you change maybe the geometry of the court a little bit, and he's not having to do everything or he doesn't feel like he has to do everything, then I think Jalen has a real chance to make a leap in two separate areas. But I, I honestly, I wouldn't say Shangun. I think Jalen and Jabari, I think it's going to be one of those two that's going to make the biggest leap. Yeah, I think get Jalen more as an off-ball player where he really thrived with Shangun. Like those lineups with Shangun and, and Jalen were so devastating offensively, but just gave everything back on defense. But like that idea offensively of of Jalen coming off screens, you know, off pin downs as a cutter, uh, you know, coming off of DHOs, all that kind of stuff is really important for his development and for him to fit with guys like Ahmed and Tari and Jabari and Shengun long term, he really has to be able to play off ball. And I, I really want to see that developed next to Fred, you know, a real true point guard next to an improved Shengun, next to, you know, one of the best young playmakers in the NBA, Amen Thompson. You know, I want to see him play with all these different guys and work on areas of his game that are, hey, isolate against whatever player you can get, blow by him and get to the rim and draw a bunch of fouls. No, I, I want to see you as an off-ball shooter, as an off-ball slasher, all this different kind of stuff, uh, because he has the potential to do it. His athleticism and shot-making ability, there aren't many guys in history with that level of talent in those two areas. And I want to see it utilized more in a, in a really creative way. Yeah, it's not going to be points per game for me to measure where Jalen's at. It's going to be what's going on defensively. It's going to be efficiency, percentage, stuff like that. That's the stuff that you really are going to have to look for with him. Let me ask you about, because Vegas has the Rockets with the second-worst win total in the West, only ahead of the Spurs. They set the win total at 31 and a half. It's hard for Rockets fans and followers not to easily pull the trigger on the over. I know you're all rushing out on 31 and a half, but do you think it's an easy take the over Cooper on the win total? How many wins do you think is realistic? So my personal bet would be around 34, 35. Uh, the problem 
is that the West is stacked, right? And we play most of our games against a really good Mavs team uh, who might actually not be that good. We could talk about that uh, real quick. But they're if they're going to play rookies a ton of minutes, really, really raw rookies a lot of minutes, there's a chance the Mavs are like the 12th seed <laughs> this year, and that's like with a healthy Luka and Kyrie. The Pelicans, who look to be really good again this year, especially if Zion's healthy, there's a chance they're a top three, four seed. I, I know that's like, you know, when hell freezes over if Zion's healthy, but, you know, there, there's a real chance it could happen. And then the Grizzlies, who, you know, even without job for the first 25 games, are still going to be a force. They're still going to have the best depth in the NBA. They're still going to have a real identity of just crushing teams that are worse than them. We also have the Spurs, who I think we can beat pretty consistently. One of the few teams, I think the only team in the West, other than Portland probably, who's actively tanking. But I think 31, especially if there's injury problems, like if Fred Van Vliet goes down or Jalen goes down, this team could pretty easily like hit 28, 29. Right, with a few key losses, especially to those veterans who we expect to come in and have such an instant impact. Yeah, I, I just want to give the Rockets fans an idea of how the public views the team because the next over-under among Western Conference teams is the Utah Jazz at 35 and a half. So there are the next ones, four, four games ahead of the Rockets. And then after the Jazz, you jump nine more wins to the Pelicans, Thunder, Kings, and Mavs, all at 44 and a half. So they're basically saying, Cooper, the Rockets will be 13 wins away from being in the conversation for the play-in. I don't think it'll be that many wins. <laughs> um, I think we'll be like 10. Some team will get injured, right? Like there will be two or three teams that just sink due to injuries. That's just the reality of every single year. But I don't think we're going to be as far away from the play-in as people think. I think there's going to be a few teams in the West that really feast. Maybe it's the Nuggets. Maybe it's the Pelicans if Zion's healthy. You never know who it could be. It could be the Kings with like a real revamped defense. It could be the Warriors if Chris Paul is like a great addition. I think a few of those teams are really going to feast in the regular season or somebody's going to really click and feast. And then that middle tier from like 5 to 12 is going to be really, really tight-knit. And I think we'll be in that 11, 12, 13 range. We'll see what happens with the Jazz. They could be good. They could be mid again. The Mavs could collapse. Portland could end up being the worst team in the league if they end up trading Dame for scraps. There's a lot of weirdness going on in the West. But I, I think even if we get hurt and we're missing a bunch of guys, we have Amen, we have Tari, we have Shengun, we have guys who can come in and, and grow and have a real instant impact. And I, I think put the league on notice. I think especially early in the season, guys are going to, teams are going to show up and be like, oh, it's just the Rockets. And then we're going to show up. We're going to be really aggressive defensively, you know, just punk a few teams because of it, right? Like teams are going to be expected an off night. And then, oh shit, Paul George goes, you know, three for 20 from the floor because he's being switched off from Dylan Brooks to Jabari to Tari. There's going to be nights like that for us. Finally, we're not going to have like five games in a row where we lose by 20 to 30 because we have a real identity, and it's it's going to be a really fun year because of that there, identity. There, there's no way we're going to be worse than the Jazz, right? No. The, the Jazz, I mean, I like John Collins. The Jazz have probably the best player between the two teams, and they also have a ton of shooting. But I think the Jazz are a lot weaker than people want to talk about. They have a lot of guys who just, all they do is shoot, 
or all they do is this one really exploitable thing. It's why well, they weren't that good last year. Well, right? look, I mean, they made their hay last year with Mike Conley. And once he was traded, it changed for them. And and I don't see it just easily going back now that Conley is gone. And I don't know what you think about Keontae George, but I, I think they're relying <laughs> on him a lot. But he's a rookie. And rookie point guards typically don't really change change everything that's going on with the team or something like that. So, you know, having a veteran like Mike Conley and then losing Mike Conley and, and just a lot went right. And they suck up on people last year. And and the idea that, oh yeah, it's going to be the same this year as it was last year for them. And and, and they've got a couple of guys that can develop, but I, I don't see Walker Kessler like, oh my God, he's going to make a big leap. And Laurie Markin already made his big leap where the Rockets have all these guys with the potential to make a big leap and a coach that's a big leap. So I, I, I could, I could absolutely see the Rockets just fly past Utah by the end of the year. Yeah, I think specifically the guys that Utah brought in are tough to get to buy into their system. Their system worked because they had Conley and then a bunch of play finishers and a few guys who can make a, like the right pass, make the right read, like a few guys like that in there, but mostly play finishers. And they don't have a real creator in that bunch who can like initiate and create advantages like that. Lori Markinen is like the best perimeter, you know, big play finisher in the NBA, probably like statistically you give him the ball in that mid high post or from three and just let him bomb. He's one of the best in the world at that are probably top two or three. It's like him and Michael Porter jr. I don't think Keontae George is a point guard. Like he's a great player. I love Keontae George. He, he swayed me. He turned me, you know, I wasn't a big believer pre-draft. I'm still not like the biggest Keontae George fan, but he's a wing in a 6'3 body, right? Like he plays like a wing. And they they added a bunch of wings to this team that doesn't have a point guard. Colin Sexton is not a point guard. He is not going to initiate and create. The closest thing they have is Jordan Clarkson. And so what do you do when you have just a bunch of, like they'll win games because they will outshoot teams. I think that's going to be every single game they win is going to be because they outshot you and that's the numbers game. If you're that good at shooting, you're going to win more games than other teams. I don't think their coach is like some magical genius, like he was flaunted at the beginning of the year. What does a Walker Kessler leap look like? <laughs> like he's not going to be bombing threes. He's not going to be doing anything. Like the Walker Kessler leap is he figures out how to screen and he doesn't block chase anymore, but then his stats don't look as good. So it's not really a leap. Like, that, that team is really weird. It's basically clinging on to the fact that they were super cool for three weeks at the start of last season. And then nobody watched another game of them after Mike Conley left. Like everyone just still thinks they're cool. It's the, the Jeremy Grant effect, in, in my opinion. You mentioned John Collins. I think what made him good was he did have an outside shot. And since he screwed up his finger, he doesn't. And I just don't know if that's repairable. It looked like that's something that's just going to be there. And if he can't, shoot the ball anymore than kind of what makes him so special as a big six nine six ten guy especially without a, an elite pick and roll creator right like he could thrive as just a lob finisher and like short roll guy because he's he's got good touch he's a really great dunker he's a great lob catcher but utah doesn't have a guy who can like a trey young who can run 40 to 50 pick and rolls and just get him the ball in his spots right like it's a really weird fit <laughs> made even weirder by the fact that they drafted Taylor Hendricks at like eight or nine, 
right? Like I love Hendo. He's he's a great player. I watched him live, uh, you know, when he played UH. He's incredible. One of the best defenders and, and big wing forward shooters in the draft. What does he do on this Jazz team? What is his fit? He's just another play finisher. And it's like the closest thing I think they have to a creator like that is Bryce Sensabaugh, who they got at like, uh, I can't remember where. I think it was in the 20s. But they're not going to play him in all reality. He's probably not going to play over Ochai Baji. He's not going to play over their plethora of weird wings. I think he's better than Keontae, but Keontae was taken higher. So he's going to play more. It's a weird team. I think we'll beat them. I think we'll beat them in win total. I think you, I think it's more because Utah's win total is going to be way lower than people realize. I think they'll be in the 20s. But, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know how Vegas has them so much higher than us. I think it's yeah. just because Markkanen wasn't, has that all-star label. Yeah, I think there's a little bit too much respect for the Jazz as a so, supposed franchise and kind of too little respect for the Rock. I, I see the Rockets maybe in the mid-30s, the Jazz – they might be a little bit where they have the Rockets projected, but we'll see. I mean, it it should be fun, and uh, it's Western Conference is going to be just crazy all year. Last thing I want to get to is uh, upside swings. What's going on with the show, and what are you guys up to? I know draft season is, can be like a 24-7, 365 these days. Yes, yeah, so we're doing a few different series. We have a really fun one that we're going to be doing another episode on later this week or beginning of next week. It's our retro scouting series where we are, we've been going back, we, we watched... So we've been doing a series on bigs. We went back to 2014. We watched Joel Embiid, Click Capella, Nikola Jokic, and then a few other guys that were big men in that class. And we evaluated them. We talked about what has translated to the league. How did they grow from there? What does this like mean for like the modern big, right? Because that was the draft that started... Like, the last three MVPs have all been from that draft. There's been so many great big men from that class and we're moving we're going in like almost a narrative style where now we're doing 2015 we're going to talk about how 2014 influenced that draft which is the chris Stapps and carl anthony towns draft one of the most interesting drafts ever and probably i think chris Stapps has an argument for the most influential draft community drafted player ever because he basically creates the unicorn archetype that teams search for for the next decade uh, we've been talking FIBA, talking, you know, anything we can get our paws on for <laughs> for draft content right now. It's it's kind of tough till the college season starts, but that retrospective series is really fun, really informative, fun tape to watch. Like going back and watching prospect Clint Capella when he's a 19-year-old <laughs> a in Switzerland is so cool. Like you see all the stuff that he does in the NBA and he did in a Rockets jersey. That was a really cool experience for me because Clint was my favorite player growing up. And when I was, you know, in my, when I was a teenager and he was on the team, I, I love Clint. So it, it, it's a lot of fun. And then once January, February comes, we'll be getting back into our deep dives, but that's a long way away. So got to get there somehow. Yeah. Go check out upside swings. He's at alley oop underscore oop underscore coop, right? Yeah. 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 So uh, yeah. And make sure to remind people that the original unicorn was right here in Houston, Texas, 40 years ago, Ralph Sampson. Uh, that guy was, was going to be really special, and the injuries hit him, and the Rockets got to a championship and, and played against the, the great Celtics team, one of the greatest teams ever. If not, maybe they actually win a championship, their first championship back in 1986 with, with the Twin Towers. But, uh, yeah, that sounds like a great series. 
So looking forward to the rocket season coming up. We're just a couple of weeks away from actual games, which is pretty awesome. But uh, hey, as always, thanks again, Cooper, for joining me. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, this was a great time. I love talking rockets at any time. I, you know, nowadays I, I talk mostly Cougs and, and college ball in general, but watch just as much rockets as I always have. And I, <laughs> I love this team. They, even though they drive me crazy, especially over the last three years. And yeah. even before that, they, they drove me even crazier during the Daryl Morey years. But uh, I, I'm really excited. This is the most excited I've been for a, a season in, in a long time. Yeah, Texans and Rockets, both exciting. Me and Sean will be back with uh, Texans and what's going on with them on Wednesday. But we'll see you guys in just a couple of You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, don't forget to support us by subscribing and commenting on YouTube. You can always listen to us on Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about us and share our show links on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.